0: Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife, Simone, we are the Senior Pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message.
1: Here we are, week two of our consecration series. Everyone doing okay without their food? Come about three in the afternoon, I'm like, oh, wow, this is real. But here we are on day seven of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. and Last week, Pastor Corey kicked off our series globally, streamed out to all our locations, our consecration series, which is based on a scripture in Joshua chapter 3 verse 5, which says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And he titled his sermon last week, Sacred Space. Such a brilliant time of sharing and learning where he laid the foundations for our series. And so if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to grab that message on podcast, even if you were, there was so much in it, grab it again. But we learned together that to be consecrated is to be set apart, set ourselves apart, to be made holy because God is holy. And he taught us that the sacred space in the Old Testament was something that was external or on the outside of God's people. They would go to the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. And God's presence would come to communicate to his people, Israel, what God was like. But then we learned there was a really big shift between the Old Covenant or the Old Testament and the New Covenant or the New Testament. And we're now living as New Testament believers. And this shift was that through the work, the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the sacred space goes from being something external to something internal. We become the sacred space that communicates what God is like to the world. And so today, I want to build on that foundation. I want to lean a little more into our proactivity in consecrating ourselves And in particular, I want to talk about our motivations for consecrating ourselves. Because sometimes I think that as New Testament, New Covenant believers, when we hear a word like consecration, which to be honest, sounds very Old Testament, right? We can kind of approach it with an Old Covenant mindset. So I want to speak today about moving from fear to freedom. Moving from fear to freedom in our approach to our consecration. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read one of the Apostle Paul's letters to the churches in Galatia. I mean, are you really even preaching if you're not preaching from one of Paul's letters? I love Paul. I'm going to spend like my first three years in heaven just high-fiving Paul for all of his letters. They're brilliant. i would probably be on my face actually, but anyway, squirrel. So Galatians chapter 5... Our text today is verses 16 to 25, but to set up really the big idea of what Paul's saying, I'm going to read you verse 1, verse 13, and then jump to our text. Verse 1 says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Jumping to verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, But through love, serve one another. Now to our text, verses 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of flesh are evident or obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. I know you want me to stop, but stay with me. Envy, drunkenness. Here it comes. Orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love. Oh, we're much more comfortable with this list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. As a well-known author and speaker in the United States, he was invited to speak at a really large conference that filled arenas each year. This particular year, the theme of the conference was operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And so on night one, opening night, the arena is packed. I mean, there was a really special move of God. Signs and wonders, people being miraculously healed, prophetic words being released, The worship went for two hours. By the time he got up to preach, I mean, the place was on fire. He finishes the night. Everybody is absolutely buzzing about gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. And then he says, I can't wait to see you all again tomorrow night. Just like a passing comment. He didn't think much of it. I'm going to preach on the link between operating in the gifts of the Spirit and living a lifestyle of consecration. He walks away like, "Woo! can't wait for tomorrow night. Comes to the next night. He starts to get nervous. The worship starts and he's like, Is there a traffic jam? Where is everybody? Guess how many people came back to listen to living a lifestyle of consecration? Twenty-five people. Why is that? Well, I believe that sometimes as New Testament, New Covenant believers, we can fall into the enemy's subtle lies of believing that living a lifestyle of consecration is all about rules and regulations... Fearful compliance and subtraction. We're going to unpack that together today. But I'm here to tell you that the call to consecration is not a call to rules and regulations. But an invitation to live a lifestyle of intimacy with Jesus Christ. Did you know that you can fast and pray for 21 days? And if you approach that season to tick a box or because it's just what we do every year or because you're fearful that you need to comply, fearful that you're going to be punished for your sin, you can come out of that 21 days and be no more consecrated than when you started. A whole lot thinner, but no more consecrated. You see, if our consecration is not heart or intimacy motivated from a place of freedom, it actually cannot bear fruit. And so to think of consecration and rules as rules and regulation, we've fallen into an old covenant, Old Testament mindset. Now, Pastor Corey touched on this last week. In the Old Testament, God communicated with his people from the outside in. They had priests, they had the tent of meeting, they had sacrifices, they had all these external ways of connecting with God. There were punishments and blessings to externally motivate God's people to follow the law that was written on tablets of stone. But under the new covenant, which Jeremiah prophesied about, what happens is the government or the rule of heaven goes from being something external to the law that was on tablets of stone gets written on our hearts and our minds and we become governed or mo- motivated from the inside out rather than from the outside in. So then our role as Christians becomes how learning how to walk in a world of limitless opportunities and yeses and nos in a way that stewards the presence of the Holy Spirit well. Everyone okay? This was the relationship that Jesus introduced through his death and resurrection. You see, Jesus dealt with sin on the cross, which was the condition that caused God, a holy God, to have to deal with his people from the outside in. And so we now have to learn how to manage our freedom responsibly. Let's read again because we all loved it so much the first time. Galatians five nineteen to 20. Now the works of the flesh just pausing for dramatic effort the works of the flesh are evidence sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of angers rivalries dissensions divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these did you just feel the air leave the room the oxygen gets sucked out of the room <laughs> and almost like a little bit of fear entered the room well under the new covenant to live a consecrated life, the things we struggle with like the works of the flesh, we actually can't afford to be fearful of them. We can't afford to sweep them under the carpet. I'm not saying we want to celebrate them, right? I'm talking about appropriate uh, covenant family here. But if we continue to sweep them under the carpet and we ignore them and fear them, they will never fully be revealed in us by the Holy Spirit. When He does reveal them, we'll push them back down and then we actually limit and cap our level of consecration and our ability to represent God well to the world. Do you know that most of us in the Western world have been raised in a punishment paradigm? What's a punishment paradigm? Let me explain that. I have fallen into the trap of raising my kids this way because I was raised in a punishment paradigm by beautiful God-fearing, God-loving parents who were raised in a punishment paradigm. In other words, they had to find and I had to find all these external ways to force compliance rather than creating an environment of freedom where we know how to steward ourselves internally rather than externally. This could look like this. My parents, I remember, used to say to me, I hated peas, right? You're going to sit at this table I don't care if it's dark until you've written, eaten every pea on your plate. Well, yeah, hello, I was there at 2am trying to shove peas underneath my plate. That's a punishment, right, from good parents. But it's a punishment, a way to externally motivate me. I've heard myself saying to my own kids, if you don't take that school bag to your room right now, I'm going to give you a smack with a wooden spoon. Because I'm trying to force their compliance. That's a punishment paradigm. Let's go a little bit deeper. Upon on the screen is going to come some of the marks of a punishment paradigm. When we're falling under a punishment paradigm, our identity is I'm an orphan or I'm a slave. Our core belief is my flaws and my failures make me unworthy of love, belonging and connection, and they disqualify others in my life from the same thing from me. The motive is I fear punishment And I fear being disconnected. And so my behaviour strategy is I will avoid punishment at all costs. So I'm either going to hide my sin or I'm going to learn how to play the game. So I'm going to know how to come into church... I know when's the right time to raise here and here and here. I know what to say at the right times, but I'm internally so conflicted because I've got all this stuff going on underneath the surface that I think people would disconnect from me if they really knew what was going on. Anybody ever thought that? I know I have. That's a punishment paradigm. And the goal of this is always I will preserve myself. I will take care of myself, me and myself, and I. Now, I want to pause here, right, because this is pretty uncomfortable, could be. But I have learned that to live a consecrated life, sometimes those moments of discomfort when God is teaching me something from his word that's contrary to what I've always believed, that rather than pulling back, I need to lean in. And so I just want to say to you, the Holy Spirit is safe, He's our teacher. He's our comforter. If you're uncomfortable in this moment, I am so with you. I dare say I'm more uncomfortable than you because I'm up here. (laughs) We're all going to be okay together. (laughs) So I want to ask you, do you know that the Holy Spirit's had a role during this consecration season? His role is to get into your heart, to get into your spirit, and bring up the things that sometimes we're afraid of. While you look at that, Let's pop that back up for a second. I want you to ask yourself an honest question. When the Holy Spirit has shone his light on some areas of my life where I'm not yet fully consecrated, have I believed any of these things? Have I tried to avoid punishment? Have I believed that my leaders or my family or God could never forgive me for that? Have I believed I've disqualified myself from being used for God's kingdom? Have I believed I don't deserve the family I've got? Because that's a punishment paradigm. So let's continue to lean into it. And Stacey, please, get to the good news. All right, I'm on it. <laughs> it's normal for the Holy Spirit to bring things up in consecration. Completely normal. And Paul is actually talking about, in this passage to the churches in Galatia, from a slightly different slant, but he is addressing something had begun to creep into the church there, which he calls a distorted gospel. He starts this letter and he's like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe it. I was just with you and already you're going left and right to this distorted gospel. And one of the distorted gospels that the gospel that the churches in Galatia had begun to believe was about rules and regulations, a punishment paradigm. Some missionaries had come into the churches of Galatia after Paul left to go and preach to other Gentiles and they were like, okay, it's actually not all about grace like Paul told you. Actually, we need you to get circumcised, which is under the Old Covenant, as an external sign that you're going to fit our rules and regulations because we just need some control around here. We need some boxes. I need to know what's happening here, okay? So they come in and they say this. So some of the Gentiles are like, what? Now I have to have that done and I have to fall under under, uh, the Old Covenant? Then there was this other distorted gospel on the other side, which was like liberalism. Today, we might call that hyper-grace gospel, where it's like, you know what? If it's all grace, just do whatever you want. You want to do this today? You just do that. You want to do that today? Just do that. YOLO, it's all about you. Well, actually, that's slavery to the flesh. And Paul calls that another distortion of the gospel. And this is what was happening in the churches in Galatia. We could think about it this way. There's one road of distortion, which is rules and regulation, which is slavery to the law. There's another road, which is do whatever the heck you want because God's going to be all good with that. That's slavery to the flesh. But then Paul, genius, comes in with a highway over the top of those two distortions. I want to point out that both of those distortions actually originate in the same place. We need rules and regulations Because we're worried about, can I actually control myself? So if you can just tell me what I have to do, just tell me what you expect of me. Because then I can tick that off the list, I can know I'm winning, right? That comes from fear. Fear that I might get out of control, that I can't control the people around me and then they might hurt me, that originates in fear. Doing whatever I want comes from fear of, what if I have to yield to the things I really like doing? What if I have to give up the things that are, like, totally enjoyable? What if I have to give that up? Both of those roads come from fear. The highway that Paul comes over the top with, like this image here, is he says, well, hang on. Let's not follow each of those distortions. The pure gospel is this. Live life in the Holy Spirit. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit who will walk you from fear to freedom and you will no longer serve law or flesh. Do you know that God is not afraid of or shocked by your sin? I might be. Your family might be. God is not. God is not up in heaven going, Jesus, did you just see what little Tracy did? What are we going to do about it? No. God had a plan from the beginning of time. And he sent Jesus to deal with our sin once and for all, Romans says. He's not shocked by my sin. He wants more for me and he wants me free, but he's not shocked by my sin. And he's not shocked by your sin either. And the problem with believing that or having a revelation of how big our sin is, that revelation being bigger than our revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ, is that it will force us to live in the shadows and it will, fo- it will cap our consecration. You see, what is concealed cannot be consecrated. What is concealed cannot be consecrated. And if we have a church culture, family cultures, relationships where the problem of sin is bigger than the solution of Jesus Christ, we will create a culture of concealment rather than free consecration. Have you noticed... That sin grows in dark places, kind of like mold. Mold grows in dark places and so does sin. Sin lurks around in the shadows. Whoa, look at the screen. I see a little silhouette of a man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> But when we create environments and families and relationships and churches where we're scared or afraid of sin, people feel like they're not allowed to fail. They will start to conceal and hide things and they will start to live in the shadows and disconnect from family. The thing with a punishment paradigm is it dictates we must comply with the rules. And when we must comply with the rules, we need a punisher. I can't keep threatening my kids and never following through on my punishment or they'll stop listening to me. And the thing is when we have a punishment paradigm in our hearts and in our lives when it comes to a season like consecration, we put God in the role of our punisher. And when we make God our punisher, this is a distorted gospel. And we will end up living in the shadows to avoid our God who is love because we think he's a punisher, but Jesus, in John eight twelve, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Church, Jesus became our punishment. Concealing equals limited consecration. Limited consecration equals limited fruit. Limited fruit equals limited kingdom advancement, which is the very reason you are here on earth. What does it look like to live in the light? What does it look like to break free of this paradigm, to break free of the fear of punishment and shame in our lives? Let's look at what a new covenant or a freedom mindset looks like according to the word of God. Our identity is no longer an orphan or a slave, but we believe that we're a son or a daughter of God. You know, I woke up this morning, and uh, do you ever have those days you know they're going to be a good day? When you wake up and your spirit is communing with God. I woke up this morning and, and I was praying, and I'd clearly been praying in my sleep. And when that happens, it takes like a moment or two for my body to catch up with what is happening with my spirit. And what I was talking to the Holy Spirit about was Romans 8. And I thought, why am I thinking about Romans 8? Lord, what is that about? And of course, it's about living life in the Spirit. It's about being adopted into God's family. I want to flick there for a moment. Romans 8, I think it's around verse 12. I just read this this morning. Uh, Verse 14. For all who are led by the Numa, the Spirit of God, are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That is some good news right there. And so our core belief in this paradigm is through Jesus, I'm a son or a daughter, and I'm worthy of love, belonging, and connection, even when I make mistakes. Do you know what I've discovered in my journey? I have had such a revelation of the goodness and the love of God at the point where I've made the biggest mistakes. Because he still welcomes me and he still accepts me. And my intimacy with him goes to a whole other level. But if I'm constantly concealing and pushing things underneath because I've put God in the role of punisher, I never get to these depths and levels of knowing I'm forgiven and I'm accepted. And Jesus has already done everything necessary to keep me in communion with the Father. And the motive here is always love. Our behaviours are we will pursue connection with the Father and with one another, even when it's scary, painful or offensive. There are moments where it's like, it's really going to cost me to admit this. It's really going to cost me to fess up about this. I had a situation earlier this week where, like it wasn't a big deal, but, well, yeah, it was. And I'm driving home, I'd spoken to someone in a way I could justify what I said, I could justify the situation, but the Holy Spirit was, like, pressing on that thing. Till I repented to God and was like, I'm sorry that I just wasn't, I wasn't kind. And then I was like, cool, that's done. He's like, no, 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 Now you're going to ring the person. I'm like, really, is that you, Lord? So I had to ring the person and be, I'm really sorry. I actually wasn't patient. And I wasn't kind. And that was insensitive. And I tell you, the love of God just flooded the car as I felt his forgiveness and his acceptance all over again. You see, the goal is always protecting connection, not protecting self, protecting connection. Now, I want to pause here for a moment for all the people who were like, hang on a second. She's saying we can do whatever we want. No. No. So before you go running out, (laughs) kingdom culture, there is consequence and there is discipline. There is never punishment. Consequence and discipline for sure, right? And Paul actually talks about this. He's talking about it's not just do whatever you want. And actually, when we've got the Holy Spirit within us and he's ruling and reigning in our lives, we won't have an appetite for the things that we had an appetite for before. I love 1 John four eighteen. It says, there is no fear in love. For perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Bill Johnson said many Christians have repented enough to get into heaven. But only few Christians have repented enough to bring heaven to earth. I'm learning that if we want to live a lifestyle of consecration, we just have to get good at repenting. If we're going to have a culture where we are becoming more and more like Jesus so we bear his fruit and we're advancing the kingdom, we're going to have to get good at repenting. What is repenting? Well, my 17-year-old son, we're away on holidays and I was talking to him about this, maybe borderline lecturing him, you know, neither here nor there. And I was talking to him about repentance and he's like, mom. It's like that song on the radio. It's a full 180, baby. If you know that song, stay on your knees. If you don't know that song, you're more consecrated than you realize. But that's exactly what repentance is. It's doing a full 180, baby, and walking the other way. That's simply what repentance is. I hope that sticks in your head because I just made a fool of myself for it to stick in your head. So let's talk about, I wanted to give you some practical steps of what repentance looks like. We we do these steps on the basis of understanding it's a full 180 baby. Number one, identify the problem or the mess that your sin has made. Now, sin has fruit, so I don't mean identify the fruit of your sin, the root problem. What's the root problem of the mess or the sin you have made? Once you've identified that, the second thing is identify who else has been affected by my failure, by my mistake. Pastor Danny Silk describes this part of it this way. He's like, if I walk into a room with a can full of paint and I drop the can, it will splash up on other people. This part of the process is figuring out who have I splashed paint on. Then number three is I do a full 180 baby, first with God and then with the people I've splashed paint on. Now, this requires humility, but guess what? Consecration requires humility. And the fourth thing is... We do a full 180 baby and following the lead of the Holy Spirit, we walk step by step out of our mess for as long as it takes to restore trust and connection with the people we made a mess on and with God. That's instant. He forgives you instantly. But we keep walking until we've restored things with the people around us. It's a free person who can admit their failings without fear who can take responsibility to clean up their own mess and say, you know what, I'm learning to walk in this freedom. I'm still battling with my flesh, but you know what, I'm going to make this right. Jeremiah Johnson said, without holiness and consecration, the church has nothing to say to the world. Spiritual fruit is the sign of a consecrated life. Paul talks about this in our passage. The size of your Bible is not a sign of your consecrated life. Although if you've got a big Bible, you go for it. How many kgs you drop in this 21 days is not a sign of your consecration. The size of the platform you ever stand on is not the sign of your consecration. The only sign of a consecrated life is spiritual fruit. It's how well we represent sacred space to the world around us. In John chapter 15, one of the most profound passages of Jesus' teaching, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide or remain in me, you will produce fruit, and fruit that remains. In intimacy with Jesus is how we produce fruit. In the natural, only intimacy can produce children and fruit. In the spiritual, only intimacy, not a punishment paradigm, I'm afraid of God, that caps our intimacy. Who wants to be with somebody they're afraid of? Who's their punisher? But when we understand Jesus is our forgiveness and he's our righteousness and he's our salvation, we run into his presence, failures and all, we get this intimate relationship with him and we produce fruit of the spirit. Verse 22 of our passage in Galatians 5 It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The cool thing here is this is actually a description of the character of God. This is the very nature of God. He is love. He's joyful. He brings peace. He's patient. He's kind. He's good. He's so faithful. He's gentle. And he's self-controlled. And as we bear this fruit in our lives through intimate relationship with Jesus, we represent Christ to the world around us. As a foundational principle in the kingdom of God, that the deeper we go with Jesus, the less of that other awkward stuff I talked about before, we can take with us. And to be honest, this is where sometimes I want to tap out. Because I'm like, really, that thing? That thing as well? But this is life with the Holy Spirit. This is life with Jesus. And every time we say no to consecration, we mightn't like to admit it, but it's actually a yes to flesh. Paul uses very strong language about his journey with the flesh. In Galatians 2.20, where he's really not messing about, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In verse 24 of our passage, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Do you know that we simply cannot serve the Lord effectively and at the same time preserve self? In a punishment paradigm, it's all about I've got to preserve myself, but we cannot serve the Lord effectively and live a lifestyle of consecration while we're busy trying to preserve Self. We can either walk on the fear-based road of law and the flesh, which are distortions, or we can take the high road of life in the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, we read, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul here in the context of this passage is actually talking about opposing spiritual worlds. He's contrasting here pre-Christ life and post-Christ life. The two are incompatible. You cannot serve both at the same time. The same way the moment you switch the lights on in a dark room, it's no longer dark, it's now light. The two things cannot coexist. And at the moment of salvation, our spirit man or woman is made a new creation. Brand new, right there at the moment of salvation. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. But who else can testify with me here in this room that we still got these mortal bodies to deal with? And these mortal bodies have embedded neural pathways that are used to thinking and behaving certain ways. This body has eyes that are used to looking places that are not meant to look, and it has a mouth that runs off. And so as we mature in the things of the Spirit, He helps make us holy, like He is holy, so that we learn to take the high road and less of these distorted Gospels. So the key is following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love the language here because it's a beautiful contrast to Joshua 3, which our series is on. In Joshua 3, I think it's around verse 4, we read, you know, you're going to follow the presence across as you cross over, but you need to stay at a distance. Stay at a distance from the ark because there was this problem of like the external way God had to deal with his people. But here we are, New Covenant, and Paul's words are the picture that he's painting with the language is tucking right in on our leader's shoulder. No space between us, and literally walking in the steps of the Holy Spirit, step by step. My 13-year-old son, River, he has this absolutely beautiful love of, we probably prophesied it over him by calling him River, he has this beautiful love of nature. And the way God's world works. When he was about two, he loved playing this game he called shadows. And he'd go, shadows, like this. And then he'd step behind us and try and stay in our shadow. And we'd try to make it fun by leaping or by spinning and getting him to stay in our shadow. This is the exact word picture Paul is painting. That this is how we walk with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit has a primary role to purify us? That's why his name is Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. That word there is metamorphood, Being made from like a caterpillar to a butterfly where we take the high road. We're not down on our bellies looking at the dirt and mess and distorted gospel. We're up high like the position of a butterfly and the Holy Spirit. We're being transformed into the image of Jesus more and more each day as we stay in step with the Spirit. I want to finish by showing you the role of the Holy Spirit in your consecration. In my consecration. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? And I'm gonna to read to you our key passage from today, Galatians 5, verses 16 to 25. But this time I'm gonna read it from the Passion Translation. 5 1 says, Let me be clear the anointed one has set us free, not partially but completely and wonderfully free. And as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living free within you. The Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then... The two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, Manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favoured, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of other, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behaviour. Let's give that a bit of a mix to see the mess that these things make. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that still endures, Kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion for everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross crucified with the Messiah, and now we must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So God, I thank you for your presence here right now. I thank you for the Holy Spirit who is hovering in this room. I thank you for your word that shapes us from the inside out. I thank you that when we come to your word, not for information, but for transformation Teach us how to think about life. I speak to fear, and in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave this room.
0: And I thank you that the love of
1: God is filling this place right now. Father, in the season of consecration, there is nothing we are hiding from you, nothing we are holding back. If there is anything that you want to bring up, Holy Spirit, we move from fear to freedom so that we can live consecrated lives that bear witness to you, of you, to a world who needs you. We wait here in your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray the prayer of David. Search my heart, O God. See if there be any wicked or offensive way in me. choose freedom over fear in this moment we remind ourselves of your love your goodness your faithfulness it matters more to us to be right with you than to be right in our own self we don't need to be right about everything we want to be right with you we choose not to justify in this moment but just to open ourselves up afresh and say God take this life and make it holy you that in your kindness you're revealing hidden areas of people's lives to them because you want them to be like you. That this is a work of the Spirit. Come and counsel us. Come and teach us. Come and guide us into all truth. Come and purify us and make us holy. You can stay in your seats and Maybe you just want to raise your hands and continue to reflect with God. The team's just going to sing over us, and I'm just going to come back in a few moments and speak to you again. But for now, let's stay in this reflective attitude.
0: Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour.